Good morning, everybody. Good to see you here today. Glad you've joined us. My name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors here on staff today. And if you are a guest with us, you picked a great day to be here because we are starting a brand new series today called God Is. And so we're going to explore in this series the nature of the God that we are trying to serve. Now, as we begin today, I would like you to help me out a little bit by answering or finishing a sentence for me. So how would you finish the sentence, God is? So what would you say? All right, so we got some awesome, almighty, good, eternal, great, holy, merciful. Uh, I think I heard alive. Isn't that awesome? Patient. Somebody else? Love. Just. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much. I am so proud of you guys. Tolerant. That, that's great. I'm so proud of you because normally I have to like spur you on to give me some input and you, not today. That is great. Either you had your coffee this morning or you had your Wheaties. I'm not sure. So thank you very much. But think about this for a moment. Not everybody would answer the way you just answered. Not everybody would say those kind of things about God. Maybe even a few here today, maybe you're here new and you would say, you know what, that's not the first thing I would have thought of. And I was afraid to kind of shout it out in a church environment for fear, you know, hey, I might get struck down, you know, struck with lightning by God if I said something negative about God. But there are some people that would finish that sentence with something like this. God is cruel. God is unjust. God is unfair. And there might even be some people who say, you know what, I look around the world and I just think, how can God exist? I just don't even see it. I don't see how a God could exist. Now let me ask you a different question and then I'm gonna do my best to tie a couple of thoughts together this morning. How many of you dislike being misunderstood? You just don't like it. Uh, thank you for your honesty. I would, I would think most of us would say, you know, I just don't like being misunderstood. It's irritating when someone thinks something about me that's just not true. I, mean, I, just, I just don't like that. But this past week, I found myself in that situation. I was in a conversation with a group of people. Everyone was giving their input on a subject, and so I threw my two cents in. And when I threw my two cents in, someone in the group totally misunderstood what I said. And my, uh, my input plus their response left this awkward misunderstanding. Have you ever been in one of those environments where like, you said something, everybody kind of looks around going like, did he just say that? And I'm thinking, no, 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 that's not what I meant. No. So then have you ever tried to clean up the, the mess and it got worse? That's so not fun. You know, like you're trying to correct somebody's wrong impression or this misunderstanding and it just gets messier. And, you know, before too long, you're just like, let me just shut my mouth because apparently when I open it, it gets worse. So it's irritating to be in an environment where you are trying to um, be understood, but You're not being understood, being totally misunderstood. Now, the nature of my job as a pastor makes misunderstandings even more fun because I find myself in that spot all the time. Uh, On some Sundays, people misunderstand what I'm trying to teach. And every once in a while, they'll call me and let me know their thoughts about that, or I'll get an email about their thoughts around this misunderstanding. 
Other times, people misunderstand a decision that I've made or my motive behind a decision. And then there are the many times that people misunderstand me just because of my role, just because I'm a pastor. So there are some people that have bad experience with pastors or think, you know, pastors are all the same. And so if they find out that I'm a pastor, they, they just associate me with all the other pastors that they've known. Or if they've had a bad experience with another pastor, then they project that onto me. And I think, hey, not fair. Like, I'm not that person. Don't you know, project that onto me. So it, it's, it's not fun, again, to be misunderstood. And there are moments that I'm not all that excited to let people know that I'm a pastor because of what they may, may start thinking about me, how they may misunderstand me when all I said was what I do for a living. Now think for a moment about the many ways that we misunderstand God. You know, maybe you've had a bad experience with a Christian, or maybe you've had a bad experience at a church, and so you kind of take it out on God. We do that a lot. And we have a, a bump in with another person and then we say, you know, if that person claims to be a Christ follower, then I'm just not going to church or I'm not going to read my Bible or I'm just going to stay away from God. We may experience some pain or suffering and then think that God doesn't care about us. Some people look around the world and see suffering and evil and they conclude that a God can't exist if those things exist. Or a loving God certainly can exist if those things exist. So there's all kinds of ways that we misunderstand the God that we are trying to serve. We have all kinds of misperceptions about him, things that are just not true, and yet we live as if they are true. So God really knows what it's like to be misunderstood. And if we're going to fully engage God, in a way that he wants us to. We have to do our job of learning what he's really like. We can't just trust other people. We can't just listen to what other people say about him and say, well, I'm just concluding what I think about God based upon what somebody else said about God. And you can't do that with me either. You can't just listen to what I say about God and say, well, I'm going to conclude about God based upon what Trent said about God. You've got to do your own research. You've got to do your own study to understand who God really is. And we can't um, conclude things about God based upon our opinions. You know, we can't just look around the world and say, well, here's what I think God's like based upon what I'm seeing. We'll, we'll be wrong all the time. So we've got to get to know God personally for who he really is if we're going to understand him in the way that he wants us to. And I, I think that's a fair thing to, to ask. I think that's a fair thing for us to do because we would want the same thing. When we're in a, a, a misunderstanding situation, don't we want people involved to take the time to get to know what's really going on? If there's a misunderstanding with us and people think something that's wrong, don't we want people to take the time to get to know who we really are before jumping to a conclusion. And so that's what we're going to try to do in this series. We're going to try to get to know God for who he really is. Now, to do that this morning, we are going to go back in time, about 3,500 years, and we're going to look at an interaction between a guy named Moses 
and God himself. So if you're not familiar with Moses, Moses was this guy that God came along and said, listen, Moses, I want you to go free a group of people who are in slavery. So I want you to be the one to go and free them. And uh, Moses at first said, no thanks. I would rather not. And yet he finally did, and through his obedience, God performed some miraculous stuff. Now, Moses' story is amazing, and we're not going to get to all the aspects of it today. We're going to hit some highlights. But what I encourage you to do is read big portions of Moses' story this week. So on our spiritual growth challenge, I've put some passages there so that you can do that. And if you're new to our church, our spiritual growth challenge is something that we make available each week. Uh, It helps us take what we're learning on Sundays and go a little bit farther with that. So if you'd like to uh, get a copy of that, you can stop by our Connection Center and pick up a copy, or you can go to our website, The Epic Church. You can download that as well. It's got some uh, Bible reading, uh, suggested Bible reading plan. It's got some questions for you to ponder um, by yourself maybe or with a group of people. It's got some next steps that you can do to help challenge you in the direction of what we're learning on Sundays. So I'd encourage you to get one of those. Now, our story starts today in Exodus chapter 3, and here are just some of the highlights. Around 1450 BC, so 1450 years before the life of Christ, Moses was a shepherd. He lived in the land of Midian. And his job was to take care of his father-in-law's sheep. So that's, that's what he did with his time. That's what he did as a job. And so he was out tending the sheep, and he led them one day to Mount Sinai, which is also called the mountain of God. And Exodus 3 verse 2 tells us that the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a burning bush. So there's this angel that decides, I'm going to stand in this bush, and I'm going to get Moses' attention. So it's going to look like this bush is on fire, but it's not going to be consumed. So Moses out there with his sheep, kind of boring. I think you would notice uh, a bush that's on fire, but it wasn't being burned up. And so Moses sees that and goes, hey, let me go check that out. That's a little weird. And he goes in the direction of the bush to see what it's all about. And then God spoke out to him. So Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 4, it says this. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, imagine yourself being in that spot. Okay, you see a bush on fire and think this is kind of strange. It's not burning up. And then someone calls to you out of the middle of it. Do you think that would freak you out? Moses goes, here I am. I I think he's just a little bit nervous. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Now, the Israelites, they were God's specially chosen people. They had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And the Egyptian pharaoh of that time was especially cruel. 
So there's one time that he ordered for all the Hebrew baby boys to be thrown in the Nile River. He was worried that their, their population was outgrowing the Egyptians. And so he thought, listen, one day they're going to be larger than, than we are in population size, and they're going to take us over. So I've got to control them as much as possible. And so he ordered those little baby boys to be thrown in the Nile River. And the interesting thing about Moses' story is that he was one of those baby boys. He should have been thrown into the Nile River, but God saved him. Verse 9, God said, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Now, it's fascinating. We read in the earlier passage that God said, listen, I have heard their cries for help. I have come to rescue them. And then he says, I'm sending you. So when God wants to do something in the world, most often he chooses to use people just like us to do that. Now, there are some of us who say, God, I'll go. I'll do whatever you want. And then there's others of us like Moses and like me that say, no, thanks. Like, send somebody else. And so Moses came up with every excuse he could possibly find for why he didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. So he basically told God, just find somebody else. No, thank you. I don't have the education. I'm not smart enough. I I can't speak real well. I stumble over my words. I, I just can't do this. Pick somebody else. But God persisted. And finally, with fear and trembling, Moses went to do what God had asked him to do, and he got to watch God perform the miraculous. And through some miraculous events, Moses got to lead the Israelites out of 400 years of slavery, carrying the wealth of Egypt as they left. Amazing story. Again, we're not going to get into all that today. I encourage you to read it this week. Now, the part that we're going to focus in on today is in chapter three, verse 13. This is where Moses comes up with another excuse. He's kind of grasping at straws, whatever he can find, like, God, I just don't want to do this. And so he protests to God and says, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they'll ask, like, what's his name? I don't even know your name. So like, I don't know your name. I can't go do this thing. You know, what would I say? And just remember that this series is about God. So we're going to zoom out just a little bit, focus in on God through the filter of his response to Moses. Verse 14, God replied, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now out of this response, we're going to get some foundational truth that we need to understand about this God that we're trying to serve. So God said to Moses, I am. He didn't say I was. He didn't say one day I will be. He just simply said, I am. Then over in Genesis chapter one, the first book of the Bible, in the first four words of the Bible, we see the reality of God's response here. In Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning, God So God was here before there was a here to be at, before the world began. God is. And I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. 
I struggle to understand that reality. We serve a God who has always existed. So beyond or besides Jesus' earthly birthday that we celebrate on December 25th, God has never had a birthday. Go back in, in time as far as we possibly can, and we come to God. You can't get to anything beyond God. God has always been, and I don't understand that. Neither, neither do my kids, and my kids ask me sometimes, Dad, how is it possible that God could always exist? And I say, I don't know. I, how do you think I lost my hair? I mean, I've been trying to figure that out for many years, and I just can't figure it out. It makes no sense to us who only understand beginnings. But add this to that. So our God has had no beginning, and our God will have no end. The Bible teaches that each of us have an appointment with death. Each of us will one day get on our calendar this little, little memo. Maybe you'll see it. Most likely you won't. And the memo says the end of your time on this earth, your death day. But the amazing thing about our God is that he will never get that. Our God will, will never die. He's always existed, will always exist. And our little minds struggle to grasp that huge reality. But here's where that truth gets traction in my life. No matter what we go through, no matter what difficulty you're in right now, no matter what difficulty you'll be in tomorrow, God is. When Moses was talking with God and God said, I am, God knew what Moses was about to do. He knew that Moses was about to take on the most challenging thing that he would ever face in his entire life. Beyond the difficulty of confronting the Pharaoh, the, the most powerful king in that region of the world in that time, beyond the difficulty of leading the Israelites out of slavery into their promised land, there was obstacles on the outside that they would face and there were obstacles from within that they would face. Beyond all that, Moses would have to come face to face with his past. You see, with Moses' story, he used to live in the Pharaoh's palace. And again, he should have died. He, he, should have, he, was, he was one of those Hebrew babies that should have been thrown into the Nile River and, and, and drowned, but he was saved. And he was saved by the most unlikely person, the Pharaoh's daughter. She went down to bathe in the Nile River one day, found him in a basket, and took him home. And so Moses grew up as Egyptian royalty. But think about what he could have done in that moment. I mean, he understood that he was a Hebrew. He understood that he should have died. And he understood that he was adopted into Egyptian royalty. He could have said, I'm so glad God saved me out of that life of slavery. Like, I'm going to distance myself from them. I'm going to act as if I don't know any of them at all. Like, I don't even want to, go, want to go out and hang with him. I'm just not going to visit him. He could have said that, and some of us might have said that. But Moses didn't. He said, listen, I understand my Hebrew heritage. And so he would go out on a consistent basis to visit his Hebrew brothers and sisters who were in slavery. And on one day, when he was out there visiting his family members, one of the Egyptians was beating a Hebrew very harshly. And so Moses, in his anger, I mean, he snapped in a moment. He looked around. He saw no one was looking. He killed the guy. And then he buried him in the sand. 
And when the Pharaoh found out about that, he was furious. So Moses knew what was going to happen to him. So he ran. He ran as far as he possibly could. He ran as fast as he possibly could. That's why he was in Midian. That's why he was tending sheep. He was hiding from the Pharaoh. And he was hiding from his past. So when God came along and said, Moses, hey, I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to go back and free the Israelites from slavery, Moses said, no thanks. I just want to forget that whole thing ever happened. I don't even want to remember that time in my life. And maybe you have a time in your life right now that you feel the same way it with. Maybe there's a portion of your life that you'd say, I just, I just kind of want to forget that. I just, you know, that, that weekend, that year, that decade, maybe you just go, I just would like to forget all of that. I just hope it all goes away. So God told Moses, I am, will be with you. I'll help you face the Pharaoh. I'll help you free the Israelites. And I'll help you face your past. So to do those things, Moses would need a God who is, not a God who was, or a God who one day might be. I think God wants us to know the same thing. That no matter what difficulty you are in right now or or what difficulty you may face tomorrow, you serve a God who is. He knows exactly how to navigate you through that difficult situation. He knows exactly how to get you through that relational junk, that financial issue, that career issue, that health issue. He knows exactly how to get you where he wants you to be, even if one of the obstacles you face is your past, because sometimes to go forward, we have to go backwards in order to do what God wants us to do and to become the people who God wants us to become. So at some point, we stop wondering, how is it possible that a God has always existed and will always exist? And in those moments of great struggle, we are thankful that we serve a God that lives beyond our capacity to understand life. Can you imagine if you served a God you could fully comprehend? How small of a God would you have? Now, another truth that comes out of God's response, I am, is this. God is who he is, not who we want him to be. So part of our misconceptions about God is that we try to to define God the way that we like to think about him, either in good ways or in bad ways. So some people like to think about God as the big Santa Claus in the sky. You know, he's the grandfatherly type, you know, the big white beard maybe, and he loves to give us good gifts, you know, like Christmas. I mean, it's fantastic. Every day is Christmas. And, you know, we think that God's responsible to give us health, wealth, and prosperity, And the reality is God loves to give us good gifts, but his gifts to us are not based upon our wishes or our whims or what we want in a specific moment. He sees life from a different perspective. And sometimes some of the things that he gives us are a challenge and a struggle to help us become the people who God wants us to become. Then there are other people that view God as the angry God. He's up in in heaven loves to throw people in hell who don't want to follow him. He's just, he's kind of heartless, but that couldn't be farther from the truth. God's heart breaks anytime someone rejects his love and says, no, thanks. I'll do it on my own. Anytime someone says, you know, Jesus, I don't believe you died for me. 
That breaks God's heart. He wants everybody to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ so that we can live with him forever in his family. But here's the the thing about God. He will not force us to do that. That wouldn't be loving. God is love, and so he couldn't force us to choose him. He can't force us to love him. Those things would not be loving in and of themselves. And so he says, listen, I'm going to give you this gift that you can use for greatness or you can use for your own demise. It's called free will. With it, you can choose to love me. You can choose to follow me. With it, you can choose to reject me. But I have to give you this gift. It's the only loving thing to do. Other people think that because the Bible says God is love, everyone goes to heaven when they die. Doesn't matter how you live, doesn't matter how you believe, God's love wins the day. And, and if you know, you're alive, doesn't matter what you believe, doesn't matter how you live, you stand before God one day and he'll say, oh, it's okay. Just come on into heaven, we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, it'll, it'll all be all right. But that's simply not true. That perspective doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from human reasoning. And whenever we try to understand God based upon our opinions, we always end up on a path that leads to us possibly living in eternity apart from God. I mean, it's scary to to define God just based upon what we can see and what we can think. We've got to search elsewhere for our definitions of God and our understanding of God. We've got to search in the Bible. The Bible is our truth source that we've got to look to. So we've got to become lifelong students of the Bible. That's where we get to see God for who he really is. So how are you defining God? You personally, what misunderstandings do you have about him? Is God your big Santa Claus in the sky? He's supposed to give you whatever you ask for whenever you ask for it. Do you see him as the angry God who hates the world? Is he a codependent God who worries more about what other people think about him than enforcing the rules that he laid out for us in scripture? Or is God the great I am to you? The truth is, God lives beyond our perceptions, our definitions, our misunderstandings. He lives outside of the boxes that we try to put him into. God says, I am who I am. I will not be defined by you. I want you to be defined by me. And many of us could take some valuable lessons from God on that one. There are way too many of us who aren't who God created us to be. We're trying to be whatever somebody else thinks that we should be. If someone thinks that you should be funnier, for some of you, you try to be funnier. If someone thinks you should be smarter, some of you go out and you just try to be smarter. Some of us do relationship gymnastics to try to please other people around us. And if they think we should be something, we try to be that based upon who they are. And if we're not around them and around somebody else, we try to be who someone else thinks that we should be. But God has never done that. You know, God is never up in heaven going to the angels, you know, like somebody down there thinks like, I'm a mean, cruel God. I'm like, what should I do to change their mind about me? And God's not stressing out about what we think, whether it's correct or incorrect. He refuses to live by our definitions. Again, he wants us 
to be defined by him. So who are you? I mean, who are you? If you were just able to honestly answer, who are you? Are you who God has created you to be? Or are you a collage of what other people think that you should be? And who are you trying to please in life? Are you trying to please other people around you? Or is your sole purpose to please the great I am? One of the things that I struggle with as a person and as a pastor is this whole thing of pleasing people. Uh, I, I like to please people. Um, if, if I can please somebody, I'll do my best to please people. Um, but that can become very challenging, especially in a church environment. So I don't know if you notice, but if you look around, um, there's a lot of you. And if you add you know, two to it, the two services that we have, there's even more of you. And everybody has a perspective. Everybody has an idea of something they think, well, this is what I think a pastor should do. This is what I think a pastor should be like. And it gets a little challenging at times. There are some people that tell me that they love it when I teach straightforward, confrontive messages that make them deeply examine them, their lives. You know, some say, like, hey, if I don't walk out of church feeling bad about myself, like, I've missed church. So there's a perspective. Other people wish I would do more verse-by-verse -verse Bible teaching. There are some of you that love when we, when we kind of pull apart the Greek and Hebrew, uh, the original language that the Bible was written in. There are others that say, listen, I, I wish we were more creative. You know, I, I wish we showed more videos and, and did more dramas. And then there are some people that just tell me, you know, I just don't like how you teach. And I appreciate the honesty. One guy came up after a service several years ago and said, listen, I just don't get it. Like, I just don't like how you teach. And I said, well, that's cool, because I don't like how you comb your hair. <laughs> just thought that was fair. I didn't say that, so <laughs> just kidding. I thought it, but it didn't come out of my mouth. If you could know some of the things that go through my mind at times. But can you imagine if I tried to please everybody? Uh, that, that would be a, a big challenge. I think I just might lose a few more marbles than I've already lost. So I have to remind myself on a regular basis that my purpose is to please God, not people. And one of the verses that helps me do that is 1 Thessalonians 2.4. It says, our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. So I have that verse sitting on my desk. Every Sunday morning before I come out and teach, I read that verse again. I say, God, my purpose this morning is not to please anybody else but you. Today I speak for an audience of one. And I, I pray that this message will bring honor and glory to you. Pray that it will be founded on your word. And I'm just here to please you, nobody else. If I tried to please everyone, we would get nowhere as a church. We wouldn't become the church that God wants us to be. And if you try to please everyone else around you, guess what? You won't get anywhere in your own life you won't become the person that God wants you to become if you're trying to please everybody else but God. So God said, listen, I am who I am. I'll be who I'm supposed to be and no one else. And I think that's part of what 
God was telling Moses in that moment. He didn't want Moses to be defined by his past. He didn't want Moses to be defined by what other people were going to think about him. And there were a lot of thoughts about Moses. When Moses came back into the, the Hebrew camp and started talking to them, they were going, oh, yeah, you're the guy who ran away when you killed the Egyptian. God sent you. God, you got anybody else? Why would you send him? Like, he's a failure. He ran in and hid. So those people had a lot of thoughts about Moses. And God said, listen, I don't want you to be defined by what other people are going to think about you. I want you to be who I've created you to be. And I want to use you to do some powerful things in this life. And I think many of us need to apply that truth to our lives. We need to learn to be who God wants us to be instead of what other people around us want us to be. Now, in a moment, our worship team's going to come out and they're going to lead us in a, a final song called Great I Am. And as we sing this song today, I think all of us need to be reminded of a few things of our God's nature. He's a, a God who's had no beginning and he will have no end. He lives beyond our concept of life and death, and he's bigger than any obstacle that we could ever face, whether it's in our present moment, it's in our future, or if it's even in our past. I think God wants some of you to know that even though you are afraid to face that obstacle ahead of you, God is with you. He wants you to know he's with you. He'll guide you. He'll be there every step of the way. And if you're obedient to him, to what he's asking you to do, you'll get to see God perform the miraculous just like Moses got to see God perform what only God could do. I think others of you might have to admit that you've been working so hard to please other people that you've forgotten all about pleasing God. And you might have to, to, to say today, you know what? Maybe say to yourself, maybe say to other people, I'm sorry, but I can't live to please you anymore. I've got to start pleasing God and God alone. And here's the cool thing about that. When you put God in his proper place and say, God, I want to please you and you alone, guess what other people get? Exactly what they need from you. They get exactly what they need. And when you say, I'm pleasing God and God alone, it provides an opportunity for those people around you to become who God wants them to become. But when you say, listen, I'm going to please you and you and you and you and you, and oh yeah, maybe God, if I have time, then we give to people stuff that they don't really need and they won't become the people that God really wants them to become. So is today the day that you start pleasing God more than anyone else around you. So as we sing this final song this morning, I encourage you to focus your attention on the great I am. And I hope that this song becomes your prayer today to our great God. So let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful for your response to Moses in this story. Amazing story when we look at Moses' life, and we watch, uh, Lord, how he had a failure and then ran and was afraid of his past and just didn't want anything to do with that. And, and God, you pursued him and, and said, Moses, I, I don't want you running or hiding from your past. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guide you. I'm going to be with you. And you introduced yourself as I am. 
Lord, there's so much in that statement that we can't even begin to understand. This morning, we've just scratched the surface on some possible meanings of what that could look like in our own lives as we serve you and see you for who you really are. So Lord, today, there might be a few people here that really need to go back and face something in in their past. And you want them to know you're here. You're with them. You'll guide them but they need to go back in order to go forward. Lord, there may be others of us here that spend so much of our time trying to please other people. We're so exhausted. We're so worn out from trying to please everybody else around us that we've forgotten that our first purpose, that the thing that you want us to do above all else is to just please you, please you with our lives, please you with how we live, please you with how we treat other people. So Lord, I pray that this morning, that this would be a defining moment for a few people, that that some people would say, you know what, I've been doing that all my life and today's the day I stop. I'm just gonna focus on pleasing God and God alone. So Lord, empower them with that. Lord, strengthen them, I pray. And Lord, I pray for us in this series that you would help us to get a better perspective of who you really are because most of us don't know you, really. We have perceptions about you. Some of them are right, some of them are wrong. And Lord, you wanna be known. You wanna be known accurately. You wanna be known correctly. And so Lord, we have to dive into your word in order to see you for who you really are. I pray, Lord, that we would have a commitment to be lifelong students of your word. I pray that all of us this week will spend large amounts of time reading the Bible so we can see you from a better perspective. Encourage us, Lord, as we do that, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you guys so much for leading us in worship. And um, if you want to go deeper into our message each week, there is that spiritual growth challenge that Trent mentioned. And it is available at our Connection Center each week and also online at The Epic Church. And it's just a great devotional that takes you through each day of giving you a scripture passage to read and also questions to answer and also some things to really live out our faith in God as well. Well, if you would, there is an announcement sheet on your sheet uh, or on your uh, seats there, if you would. Yeah, there you go. Um, Grab that. And I just want to highlight a couple things. Next week is Father's Day, and we are having a child dedication uh, part of the service next week. So if you missed the last one, and you would like to dedicate your child and dedicate yourself to raising your child uh, as a family, uh, then we're going to be doing that uh, next week for Father's Day. And so if you want to uh, sign up for that, please go to theepicchurch.com and sign up for that. And then Surge, our student ministry, they are participating in the 4th of July parade, and they need your help or they need our help. Um, at the 4th of July parade, there are uh, floats that are always passing out candy. And one of the worst things to do is like to run out of candy. And so if you could help us out, bring a bag of candy, drop it off at the Connection Center. They would greatly appreciate it. Come on out to the parade. It's a great way to get to know our community and reach out to them as well. And then if you are a student in middle school or high school, uh, there's a great way to know when surge is happening, what they're doing. If you would, um, you can always text them at Epic Surge to the number 313131. So pretty easy, 313131. Uh, just 
Tech's Epic Surge, and they send out communication on a regular basis of what they're doing uh, when they meet together and when they're doing it. And so if you're a parent, you can text that as well and find out when they're doing their different activities. And then if you call Epic Home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give through our giving boxes located at the end of each section or online at theepicchurch.com as well. And if you're new today, we're so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, please stop by our Connection Center. We'd love to meet you there. Uh, if you have questions about our church or would like to get more information, they would love to help you out as well. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here today. We're so glad that you came, and we will see you next week. Say hi to somebody that you don't know on your way out. <laughs>